1: Yeah! Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast.
0: Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now
1: up to, to bat, bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. And today on our program, it's the annual Major League Baseball Preview Show. Joining me is New York Times best-selling author, Tyler Kepner, national talk show host and executive producer of the Boone podcast. That's a, that's a big title right there. Rich Herrera. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Booney and Rich. Tyler,
2: whenever I get a chance to hang out with you, I think I get smarter. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about that, but
0: thank you very much.
1: Rich, <laughs> you. you uh... You ready to facilitate this bad boy? It's a big seat. This this seat of it the is. podcast. I don't. I don't know if you're worthy, but today we're going to find out.
2: I, I'm going to try my Take best. Take it away. As, I, I got a gold glove, silver slugger, professional podcaster with me. I've got a New York Times best selling author. Don't forget his book, "The Grandest Stage: The History of the World Series." I'm going to do my best to step my game up like it's opening day. So let's just get right into it. Uh, question number one, and we'll start with you, Brett. Do you think there's going to be a hangover post WBC for all the players that were involved and away from camp?
1: I don't think there is, you know, this was I think these players go into it. It's almost like an exhibition, almost like going to an all star game. Uh, But during spring training, when you're not kind of seasoned and, and got your groove yet, I think this WBC opened a lot of eyes. I think it surprised a lot of people. Uh, of how exciting it became. And of course the epic ending with the, with the Otani versus, versus trout, uh, ending trout wins the, the MVP trophy, uh, really cool. I think it was a home run for baseball coming back. It's, it's not really going to be a hangover. These guys know, uh, what's at hand opening day is, is when the season really starts. Uh, just a handful of guys from around the country got to, uh, have a little fun tournament before before the the one sixty two starts.
2: So Tyler, let me go back and, and repose this to you because there will be some detractors after what I thought was a great WBC. I went to the uh, games down in, in Arizona. We saw Jose Altuve is going to be out for uh, at least two months. Diaz uh, gone for the year for the Mets. What about the folks that will start saying, "Well, you know what? It was fine and everything." but the injuries and when it gets in the way of getting ready for the real season, uh, they have questions about that.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's less of an issue now, maybe um, than it's been before. I mean, I remember we've been through this in the past, right? Mark Teixeira got hurt in the WBC and Drew Smiley. I remember really blew out um, in the WBC. So it's not like it's the first time it's happened. Um, And I think the goodwill from the tournament, the excitement, uh, that everybody saw, and honestly, the money that kept coming in um, for the league and the union. I mean, uh, uh, over a million fans came to those games. The the ratings worldwide were were fantastic, um, and the people, the guys who were there really loved it. I mean, I don't think you'd want to. I don't think they'd want to take it away. Um, it breaks up spring training in, in a fun way. It gets, I mean, it gets you in a really competitive uh, mindset. Uh, early and then you dial it down for a week and then you get right back up in in spring training. I think these guys are professionals. I don't think there's going to be a hangover. I think they'll be fine. And whatever injury concerns there are, uh, I think within four years, people will be excited all over again. And and I love it. I'm, I'm sold.
2: Well, Boone, we had Benji Gill on the last podcast. He talked about how great it was for the Anaheim angels or Los Angeles angels of Anaheim. I shouldn't say that, uh, not only did you have Shohei and you had Trout and maybe this will make them even hungrier after being on that big stage. But I also had a young pitcher for Team Mexico that got a chance to see what it was like to be in that
1: atmosphere that felt postseason. It did feel postseason. And I went into I went into this WBC with an open mind as a player. I, I talk about it in two breaths. I, I, I'm Brett Boone, the player. And what would I do uh, if asked to be in the WBC wear the USA uniform? Of course, I'd say yet say yes, uh, but I would have reservations. You know, I'm it's spring training. I, I just want to get ready for the season. It's about getting my timing down. It's getting your two abs going home, and 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 hopefully everything comes together in that final week. Um, as a fan it really grew on me as the tournament went on because I think it was genuine watching those guys on the field. They were genuinely having a good time. I'll guarantee you a lot of these guys went into it, especially the guys that was their first uh, WBC thinking, okay, it's nice. I'll represent my country, but really I got to get ready for the 162. I think as it moved on, as Tyler said, uh, the excitement around the game, the fans I saw that Mexico game when they beat the United States and just panning to the fans – It was it was like, wow, this is a big time atmosphere in spring training. We're not used to this yet. We're used to this in in October. All of a sudden you're getting a little taste of it in in early March, uh, I think, for the for the community of baseball. And now Brett Boone, the fan watching. I had a good time watching it Um, and seeing I, I loved all the subplots. I love the great Britain guys that were plumbers that were firemen and, and now they're facing Shohei Ohtani. I mean, that's a story they'll have for the rest of their life. I thought the stories like that were really cool, but even the biggest of big stars, I thought really genuinely enjoyed their time. When a lot of times you think, Oh, we'll mail it in. We'll do a good thing for baseball. Kind of a, we'll shuffle some things around, give them a good show. I think these guys got caught up, up in it. And when it was all said and done, they wanted to win. And, uh, It was really cool to see.
0: Yeah, Booney, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, Mike Trout didn't play in in the last couple iterations. Um, He he enthusiastically signed on this time because he saw them win in 17. And even though they didn't win this time, uh, they came as close as you could. And he was talking after the final game about how it reminded him of travel ball. And most of these guys have come up through that travel ball system now. Um, and it's, it's a fun, what he said is it, in the sense, like these are guys, that, they're not your regular teammates, but they get to be your teammates. It's like an all-star a traveling all-star team for a couple of weeks and you get to bond with them, even though, you know, it's only going to be for a short time. You get to learn a little bit about these guys and, and experience being teammates with the best of the best for more than just, you know, an, an all-star couple days. Um, so I think that familiarity brought back a lot of, he was saying it brought back a lot of really nice memories for him of growing up with the added benefit of representing your country, which is a whole different kind of vibe. So I think the guys who sign up really um, are glad they did. You know, and
1: so and t- just, on, let me, let me just add a point onto that, Rich. Uh, I asked Benji Gill about that, who obviously was the skipper for Mexico and, and he was start to finish. And I said, Benji, these big leaguers and, and us as players, we're used to a certain way. We get to the ballpark at three o'clock. We have a game at 7. We leave the ballpark after we do our, our press and our ice and our, our maintenance that we have to do after the game. We eat dinner. We go home. That's our ballpark. That's our clubhouse as a visitor 24 hours a day until we move on to the next ballpark. I said, Benji, that had to be different because it was a tournament-type atmosphere, especially in the beginning. There was a bunch of teams. He said, Booty, it was unbelievable. And you mentioned Mike Trout and the travel ball. He said... It's like one game was ending and we were we were waiting to come into their clubhouse. They had to get out of the clubhouse. So it was kind of travel bally, maybe. And the only thing I never got to go to Rosenblatt, in the College World Series. Uh, But it seems like that. Mm -hmm. I've been to some regionals at the college level. And it's almost like the team before we're waiting, hanging on the fence, watching the game to finish, get them out of the dugout so we can get our our. Our, our equipment and our get set up for our game. So I thought that was an interesting aspect, but he said the players handled it well, something they're not used to, especially the veteran guys had been in the big leagues for a long time. And I, I thought that was a, a pretty cool little side note too. Sorry, rich take it. No, I was going to
2: say, let me, I'm going to throw this out of Tyler because again, Tyler wrote the book last year, uh, the grandest stage of history of the world series. Um, again, New York times bestselling author. So we get a chance to ask him this so so tyler you did all that research on the world series i went i've been to a world series game i went to the wbc my son and i went uh we dressed head to toe red white and blue we felt kind of kind of odd like "Ah, i wonder if we're gonna be the only one showing up (laughs) dressed in in america uh from head to toe and you know i got in the car and we're driving and we stopped to get gas and i've got you know, red pants on and blue shoes and I've got USA and I've got, you know, my son's got a cowboy hat on and we got bandanas around and we're like, oh man, we look like nerds walking through here. But as soon as we got out of the car, we start walking up to Chase Field. All these fans are streaming out from Team Mexico. They just got done playing Canada and they're waving flags, yelling, screaming, high five and first people we see are a bunch of Canadians and they're dressed in Canadian baseball jerseys and hockey helmets they don't want to take pictures of my son because he's got the cowboy hat on. <laughs> Once we got there, it felt like World Cup Olympics. It was I, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about the excitement. So I posed this to you. We compare it to postseason baseball, because that was the atmosphere that I felt. You've written extensively about the World Series. Is it fair to compare what we saw at the WBC to real postseason baseball?
0: I don't think so. I think it's just so different, you know. I, I think the regional aspect of the World Series about how much it matters to those generations of Philly fans or Astro fans or Braves fans and stuff. That's that's a different kind of internal caring. Um, That you have, you know, when you follow these teams, you follow these players from when they're in the minor leagues and the whole saga, the the years long saga to get to a championship. It just hits different. Um, And it's more I think it's more like important in in baseball history, um, for sure. You know what happens in the World Series? That's what this that's what the whole point of this season is. Um, But it's they both can coexist. You know, both can be special in their own ways. Um, The WBC is so much better than what we had before internationally, which was basically nothing. I mean, we had the Olympics, but uh, a lot of times it was like a demonstration sport or it was a metal sport without big leaguers or with like fringe non 40 man guys or prospects. It didn't feel right. Nobody really paid much attention to it. Um, And now, I mean, look at this. Like we have have this amazing Olympic style baseball event at the time of the year in the calendar when you're getting ready for baseball anyway you're already starting to get excited for the season and then boom here's this big thing to get really fired up about it comes and goes and then a week later you're in the season i think it's great i, I think it's so much better than what we had before which which was nothing
2: so booty you've worn team usa gear you you played on the uh, on the national team but you went down to cuba to play in front of fidel castro Uh, When Benji Gill was on the podcast the other day, and I suggest people go back and listen to it if you haven't got a chance to, Benji talked about when they were in Arizona, it felt like a home game for Team Mexico because so many Mexican uh, fans had come in to the ballpark. And I saw them firsthand when they were leaving after the game against, I believe it was Canada. then he said when they went down to to Florida, uh, he felt opposite because there were very few Mexican fans and a lot more, um, I think they played... um, Puerto Rico, and they were packed in the ballpark. Give me what it's like to wear that Team USA jersey and have the fans that passionate, because you probably experienced
1: it down in Cuba. I did, and, and uh, I, I think different than this, nevertheless, I, I think even more exciting, uh, I, I don't know if that's even fair to say, college players, uh, not the fanfare, not the not the Olympics. I think it was an off Olympic year, so it was a Pan Am Games, or whatever it was. So it didn't have the big fanfare, but nevertheless, you know, we went to Millington, Tennessee, and that was our barracks and that was our home base. And then we traveled around the uh, around the world as as Team USA. Went to Cuba. I remember going to Cuba. What a, what an experience that was. Not too many people have been to Cuba and had that experience, but I remember going to the ballpark, old ballpark, kind of broken down a little bit. we we're, we're hitting batting practice and and thinking we're, we're going to really, we're going to crush these guys. They came out and treated us. It was men playing with boys, but yes, that atmosphere you're <laughs> talking about uh, in Cuba, there wasn't one fan in the stands cheering for us. Believe me, <laughs> a lot of times, a, a lot of times as players though, it, but, but at the same time they were respectful uh, they weren't hostile. It, <laughs> it was just that there was no cheers. When, when our name got announced to go to the, to go hit, um, you know, I I think players and, and a lot of players, a lot of great players actually look forward to going on the road in the hostile territory. You know, boo. I think Barry Bonds put it best. He said, they, or or Reggie Jackson, he said, Reggie they don't Jackson. boo. Yeah. They don't boo, uh, you know, and I don't, don't nobody on the quote. because They don't boo. Nobody's. I remember when I was, when I was having a big year or, or, or in a groove and, and I'd get, some hostility from the fans that made it grow like that's not because they're angry at me that's because they're fearful of me as a player man that's the best adulation you can get of course at home it's always nice uh getting a round of applause and and for the few times in your career you get to you get a standing ovation I mean there's nothing like it but equally for me being a villain on the road when I know I've got their number uh, that's a pretty cool thing as well but uh team USA. Uh, the experience I had, although be it not on the stage that this WBC was, uh, I really, it it was a cool experience for me and, and, uh, you know, all, all the teammates that I had a lot, a few of the guys went on to be big leaguers and, and, uh, played a long career tyler now he
2: knows what it's like to be a, a wwe heel right he goes in and everybody <laughs> well, boos him, Brett.
0: so in, in, in his case though when they're when they're booing him they could just be saying boon you never know Boons, you
1: yeah, always you always put that in your mind tyler that's, yeah, us boos, always, we always have always that supporting excuse. you no matter what correct
2: uh, all i know is when i go next time i am dressing up like george washington i saw it Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm dressing up like George Washington or a patriot when I go next time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings
1: are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi wild cherry also available in zero sugar. So grab a Pepsi wild cherry and get wild.
2: All right, let's move on spring training. Uh, We've got a chance to see some of the new changes uh, that we're going to have in the game this year. So let me ask you, and I'll start with you, Booney. which of these rules is going to have the biggest impact, the bigger bases, the pitch clock hitters, having to be in the batter's box with eight seconds left of the pitch clock or the elimination of the shift, which one's going to make the biggest difference?
1: Well, I think the shift they're still going to shift. They're just going to, they're going to, they're going to push it right to the edge of whatever the rules say, uh, they're going to be right on the edge. So they're still going to be a semi shift. Um, I don't think you're going to see a huge difference that way. My opinion, time will tell um, the bases. It's no big deal. You know, the base is actually, since the changing of the rules, and this is a rule that I had a problem with when they changed it, was you can't take out the second baseman. Well, that's how I earned my money. That's that's how I separated myself from from an average everyday second baseman to a great second baseman that can that can turn a double play in the ninth inning with with somebody trying to knock me into left field. I took a lot of pride in that. Now there's really no way of separating what a great second baseman is, in my opinion. Anybody can turn two if 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 somebody's not going to slide in and try to take you out. But with the changes of the rules have come the replay. And these replays nowadays are so technologically advanced that if your foot is not physically on that base, that runner is going to be safe. In my day, it was in the vicinity. You, you, you could do a little f- fancy footwork. Now you can't. I think the bigger bases are going to allow the defender to hold the base a little bit easier. So I think that's a positive for the defender. Uh, Overall, it's going to be a little bit more of a positive for, for the offensive player from reaching second, a little quicker from going first to third. Okay. Get to the one that's going to matter. The pitch clock. I don't know. I've heard from managers. They're telling me they like it. I've talked to a few players. They said they like it. I've talked to a few players saying, we'll see. That's where I'm at. We'll see. I went to a, a a game and I went over to uh, Arizona and visited the Mariners complex, did a couple innings in the booth, turned into four innings because the innings were going so fast. Something Mm -hmm. I'm not used to. Um, this is going to be interesting for me. I think they're going to have to tweak it along the way. I don't think the way the rules sit right now, I think there's going to be a lot of trial and error with it. Uh, and at the end of the day, it is going to speed up the game. I think a lot of people are really going to like that. At the same time, I don't think a fan on either side, whether it's your, the team you're pulling for or the team you're pulling against, I don't think anyone wants to see a game ended on a clock violation. So I don't know, Rob Manford and his crew up there, uh, in New York, uh, I think it's going to be a, a learning process for him this year and, and find out for the following year, how they're going to change it. I think for the guys that are quick getting in and out of the box, the, the pitchers that work quick, it's going to be no change for them. They're used to working, but I think the guys that are a little more methodical, uh, have been set in their ways. You know, I always think of a Clayton Kershaw, uh, you know, he's, 19 years in the big leagues and all of a sudden you're going to tell them you've got to deliver the pitch within 20 seconds. You know, I'm, I'm looking for that first time where the pitcher and the catcher can't can't get on the same page. And usually catcher will call timeout. He'll go. Well, there's no more of that. So it's going to be really interesting for me to see how this plays out.
2: Tyler, what do you think's going to happen the first time? a game is decided on a pitch clock violation or uh, maybe a game-winning base hits taken away because somebody violated the shifting uh, ban that we have in baseball now?
0: Yeah, I, I think it'll be, uh, you know, an outcry uh, of some sort. Um, and I think the league will push back and say that we introduced these rules in spring training. You had plenty of time. We've introduced them in minors for years. You had plenty of time. Everybody knows it going in. Um, and then I think in September, uh, they will probably announce something that, hey, in the postseason, um, the clock goes off in the ninth inning of a postseason game kind of thing. Um, because I think there's enough logic um, behind it to, to where you're right, Booney, and everybody. nobody wants to see any game, especially a postseason game, decided on a clock violation. So I am assuming, based on just talking to people that, like, when we get to the when we get there, they'll they'll tighten that up for the postseason. I, I, I'm not worried about that. Um, I sort of like how you know the, the runner on second rule um, is not in place for the postseason. You know the the, the, the zombie runner. Um, so I think logic will win out there. But wait, a zombie really runner, where
2: did, wait a minute, wait a minute, zombie mm-hmm. runner, where did you grow up? It's a ghost runner, buddy. It's what do you call that runner in second?
0: <laughs> well, it's a it, it's a it's a zombie though because he's back from the dead. He he, he, <laughs> he was out. He was out anything before and now he's back from the 10, right? A ghost runner is not there. Really. So
1: yeah. Rich, yeah. I, I don't I don't even acknowledge it because I, I hate I hate the ghost runner. I feel like once again I'm back in, in Travel Ball. And yeah, hey, listen, back, right field's closed because we don't have it. enough players. Right. Right, right. Ten run rule. We saw that in the uh Ten run in the rule. WBC.
0: All right, I'm but, sorry, I, I didn't think, mean to interrupt you. But go ahead. No, yeah i mean I, I just think um early on they don't want to start chipping away at it too much they don't want to set that precedent um, too much we, we see that they were pretty aggressive on calling it in spring training i think that was on purpose they want to make sure everybody knows they're serious about this and they don't want to start um you know like i said chipping away at the rules just yet but eventually they'll they'll get some more logical adjustments to it
2: i think i want to make an adjustment to the narrative so I, i've got a former player and i've got Uh, one of the best baseball writers in the country. So let me throw something out at you. Uh, On CBS Sports Radio, before spring training, I saw the rules and I trashed the rules for about a week. I just said, this is the worst thing in the world. This is dumb. I can't believe Rob Manfred doesn't have a feel of the game. I can't believe they're going to do this. I go to my first game, Tyler, and I watch it and I'm like, wow. I was 100% wrong about all of this because I was so caught up in... The time of the game. I don't care how long the game is. I just want it to be entertaining. The only people that ever complain about it are the guys who have to do the post game shows because we sit there until mm-hmm. two in the morning talking on the radio. The writers that miss deadlines are the ones that complain. I've never seen a fan walk away from a ball game going, "Oh man, if that ball game had just been two hours and forty-seven minutes instead of three hours, I would have had a much more enjoyable time." Oh, so all I hear about is this, is the length of the game, the length of the game. But Tyler and, and Brett, I want to throw this at a check. From all the games that I've seen this spring, there's been a lot more action. There's been a lot more. I I find myself for the last couple of years looking at my iPhone more than I am watching pitch by pitch. Now, uh, the last three games, I had to put my phone away and pay attention to the game because there's more action. More balls are being put in play. More attempted steals. More action going on. I'm much more entertained than I've been in the last 10 years. Tyler, what do you think?
0: Absolutely. That's 100% been my... uh experience too you know like the little things that we might do to distract ourselves in the downtime if you do those now you're going to miss a pitch um the yeah. natural sort of rhythms of the game um have been have been sort of restored i think to what they were when you know when uh i was growing up and when watching your dad uh, and, and watching you and aaron play um you know i think somewhere along the line the last 10 12 years um the game just started to get longer and longer. Those pauses got got more and more tedious. And, you know, the only person who, who likes those long pauses is the person doing it, right? Like everybody else in the ballpark, including the other players, don't like it. So the players I've talked to are really cool with all this stuff because they don't like the downtime either unless they're the ones doing it. And then they might complain. But they don't want that guy to take his time. They don't want him to take his time. You know, like they just want to, to – to be action, to be athletes, to be out there playing, not standing around, right? You know, Mike
2: Hargrove was the, Mike Hargrove was a human rain delay and he would take forever. Uh, no more Garcia Parra, Brett, uh, would take forever out there. So I, I want to throw this out at you. Does the game now seem more like what you grew up watching your dad play for the Phillies, and the Angels, that when you broke in where it's bang, 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 more action and less guys standing there walking around the box trying to mentally focus in between pitches?
1: Well, I think for the most part, I think the the, the hitters are going to have an easier time with it because, uh, most of us as hitters, you, you, you mentioned the Garcia Paras and the guys that have rituals before they get in the box. Those are far and few between. I think the, the average hitter, I wasn't a guy that took a lot of time, but I also wasn't a guy that, that stayed in the box pitch to pitch. Uh, I think just having in my mind and especially having spring training to practice, Hey, I I've got to be ready. Really not that big of a deal. Uh, for the for the hitter. I think I'm going to have to wait and see, though, when the once the game start, I want to see how it plays out. I, I think it's going to be and I don't necessarily think it's from my time or my dad's time. I, I think it's just I think the delays we've had in the game, a lot come from. How much uh, monetary value has been put in the bullpens of today's game. I mean, it is a specialty position. It used to be uh, bullpen guys were guys that weren't good enough to be starters. Now guys are groomed to be bullpen guys. They have roles. There's a lot more pitching changes than there used to be. We used to have a couple guys at the end of the game. Now there's a guy for the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, and, and it's very specialty. I think that's part of the reason that the games have gotten longer. Um, but I don't know, this is a wait and see thing for me. Like I said, the majority of people I've talked to the managers I've talked to, they really like it guys that have, have seen this now for a month in, uh, you know, being, being out on the field, watching this, uh, it's a, it's going to be a wait and see for me, those four innings that I sat through in, in Peoria, Arizona, we're unbelievable i've never seen anything like it. i thought all right it's going to be a little quicker but i mean it was quick quick it's like we're done can you stay for another inning Brett? i said mm-hmm. yeah and then the next inning was done so i think at the end of the day if the players adjust to it and and percentage wise everybody's on board with it if the fans love it it's going to be a great addition to the game that's the bottom it line is, do the fans love it-, it is it efficient
2: Is it efficient? Some of the announcers I've talked to said, hey, this is the way baseball's played 20 years ago. They love it. Now, the the other part of that is going to be who it hurts the most. Uh, Roger Clemens made a a statement the other day when this first started. He goes, you know what? We're going to take pitchers and turn them into throwers. And I'm starting to see that, Tyler. When I watch guys who would stand over there and really bear down and in between pitches, they might take 45 seconds in between pitches. They have to get going now. And I see young kids. In some of these spring training games that aren't able to stand there really focused. And instead of hitting and trying to nibble on that one spot, they're throwing more to the fat part of the play because they got gotta get rid of the ball and they are becoming throwers rather than precise pitchers.
0: Yeah, I, I've heard both. I mean, I've heard different opinions from lots of you know players. so I, I don't really know what to think because I, you know, anyone who's played in the major leagues, like Roger Clemens, you want to say, well, whatever he says is gospel, but then you hear something from someone else who played a long time and they, they predict it's going to be the opposite. Um, you know, Jerry DePoto, I talked to him um, and, and he thinks that, that it will really be tougher for hitters because they don't have that extra few beats to clear that last pitch from their, from their mind and just, you know, refocus. Um, and then a pitcher can dictate the tempo, um, you know, and, and, and get a better, you know, get a, get a batter off his rhythm so uh, then again you know i talked to someone who said um that he thinks pitching injuries might go up because guys don't have that recovery time between pitches to to throw as hard as they can and then you know let breathe and do all that stuff and then other people say that's nonsense so i i I, am fascinated to see what happens um there will be unintended consequences for sure though
1: i'm interested to see the tact i'm interested to see the tactics too Mm -hmm. by by the teams by the manager if you're in a big tight situation you can't step off you've got to deliver pitch he sees his pitchers in trouble is the manager going to come out of the dugout and argue about something else (laughs) even if it's that critical I think you're going to see a lot of uh, stuff going on like that it's going to be interesting for me to see how the manners uh, the managers try as a hitter if I need some more time am I going to pick a fight with that umpire just to get him to take his mask off and argue with me before the next pitch Mm -hmm. does is the umpire the the ultimate judge i mean i think you're going to see pushing the envelope uh in every capacity it's going to be interesting to watch
2: Tyler, well, I see more fans trying to run out in the field, assisting a pitcher who's in a jam to stop the <laughs> yeah, game. Right. Don't right. do exactly. that. I'm not suggesting you do that.
1: <laughs> right. You <laughs> have <laughs> a night in jail just to give the pitcher an extra few exactly. seconds. To- exactly. Hey. Yeah. And, and, that's and being anyway, a fan, right? Right. And you might be the hero of your city that <laughs> night.
2: Right, right, right. Absolutely. Let's break out our crystal balls and get to uh, who do you think the teams to beat are, in the American or the National League? uh Tyler, let's start with you american league who's the team to beat who do you like who are the teams you're going to be looking at and thinking okay as we get ready for the world series i'm going to start making my travel reservations because i have a feeling i'm going to be in these cities after the season's over
0: yeah i think i gotta i gotta check and make sure my passport's up to date because i think uh toronto is looking really good um you know apologies to uh uncle Aaron and and the Yanks but I think uh, I think Toronto is ready to uh, to take over that division a lot of us thought like uh, last year would be their year and the Yankees uh, had other ideas but I the Blue Jays just to me seem to be the most solid team up and down um, up and down the roster I I love the way they're constructed I love the age curve of their players like they've been together for a few years now they've they've experienced some winning but also that bitter you know sting of, of of losing in October. Um I think they've got guys squarely in their primes. They got like, you know, a premier defender in center field in Kiermeyer. Um they got good, you know, a great defender in Chapman. They've got just I think they're stacked. I really do. I love I love the rotation. Bullpen's good. So I, I think Toronto to me is the uh is the team to beat in the American League. Well obviously um, Houston's the team to beat in baseball. But I think Toronto's right. gonna overtake
1: Brett American league. Uh, I think there's several teams. I think there's newcomer. I'm going to, I'm going to be a Homer a little bit, and I haven't been able to say this for 20 plus years. I think no. Mariners are a team to be reckoned with now. I, mine's more of a broad answer than Tyler's because, because I, I really do like the Toronto blue Jays. I think they're great. I think uh, up and down that lineup, there's they're as good as anybody pitching is getting uh dialed in a little more astros for me are still the best team in baseball pure and simple i do like the yankees yankees are predicated on being healthy uh in the last four or five years you've had a lot of star power but guys have been in and out of the lineup yankees 100 percent, and not to say other teams aren't it just seems since i've been paying attention to the yankees um for obvious reasons it seems like they get hurt more than everybody else, and they <laughs> haven't been able to stay healthy. Yankees, hundred percent, they've got their they they've got their bullpen back in order. King is healthy again. Uh, Holmes, Luiz again. That's a great pen. Uh, their starting rotation is great. Although Rodon's going to miss a little time. Severino out of the out of the out of the gate is on the IL. That's something we've seen. If that happens, you're right. The Yankees aren't going to be the team. It's all predicated on health. I love the Blue Jays. Tampa's always going to be there. Astros, for me, though, uh, at the end of the day, they're the best team in baseball still. Nationally, Bernie, who do you like? I like uh team to beat for me. The team, I, I, I've got to go on record today, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I like the rest of them. I still like the Dodgers. I like... Uh, that uh, that National League West is a, is a powerhouse with the Padres and the additions they've made. That's going to be for me the best lineup in baseball. Uh, Dodgers have lost some from last year. The Turners, uh, Bellinger. I still think they have enough to hold on to that division. That's going to be interesting. The Mets are interesting with Scherzer and Verlander, uh, two first ballot Hall of Famers, but both pushing 40 years old too, but you have those two at the top of the rotation healthy. They're always a threat. Uh, But for me at the end of the day, it's the Braves.
2: Mr. Kevner, what do you like in the national league? Who do you think? Yeah, I like
1: the Braves too. Um,
0: I mean, I I think I'd be a little more confident in them with a little more starting pitching, you know, Ian Anderson had, you know, had gotten back to who he is or, or Michael Soroka had been, um, you know, in in that situation too. But, you know, they'll, 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 uh, they'll fix themselves in the minors, I think. And and, and I like what they've got uh, lineup wise, rotation, everything. I mean, they've won the division five years in a row. Um, We saw how they came on at the end to catch the Mets. Obviously they had a tough series and lost to the Phillies. Um, The Phillies will be good again. I worry a little bit about their, their pitching even more so than their offense that Harper will be back. Hoskins will not. Um, That's, that's rough, but, I, I think they'll hit. I, I worry about them a little bit without if Ranger Suarez is out for a while, if that forearm thing becomes worse. Um, Cause I don't know how deep they are in the rotation, but they'll be in the mix for sure. And of course the Mets, Dodgers, Padres, uh, and, and probably the Cardinals. I, I I'm having a hard time Booney seeing anybody else um, really getting into that playoff mix other than the six teams. It, it, Usually somebody else will. I mean, something will happen somewhere, um, but I don't know who it's going to be. Who who can unseat any of those any of those six playoff teams from last year, in some order?
2: It, yeah, no, it does seem like they're kind of stacked right there, and and that's where I was going to go next. Uh, do you have any thoughts on who's going to be the biggest surprise and maybe the biggest disappointment that that fans are going to get their hearts broken? Uh, Boone, who do you think might be the biggest surprise? Who might be the biggest disappointment?
1: Mariners because everybody knows the Mariners are better. Uh, But I don't think anybody, if I were to say the Mariners could easily go to the World Series this year, I thought they could have last year, you know, and they had that first playoff. They got through the first uh, uh, playoff series. They got to Houston. They had Verlander on the ropes in game one. I think they had him down seven, nothing, and they lost. I knew right then it's over. Houston's too good of a team. If you beat Verlander right there, Uh, I think anything could happen in that series. Obviously history didn't, didn't play out that way. Houston went on to win the world series, but I think if anyone, I were to say today, Mariners wouldn't shock me if they went to the world series and won it people say, Oh, Brett, the, the Mariners are better, but they're not that good that's my surprise team for the year Mariners
2: they're gonna have an. they're gonna have an all-star game there they're gonna have energy all year it, it, it could line up to be a special year for the Mariners uh Tyler what do you think do you got a big surprise or maybe a disappointment
0: yeah booty I hope you're right about the Mariners I love everything about what they're doing out there um, and it's a great town I I uh, but I I'm, I think people might be sleeping on the White Sox a little I was very high on them last year everything that could possibly go wrong last year went wrong for them and they still they still somehow finished 81-81. and 81. They got a new staff in there, um, you know, coaching staff and everything. Um, they lose Jose Abreu, but they move Andrew Vaughn to first and Ben Attendee. I, I don't love them, but I feel like in that division, there's a lot of wins to be had. And if G, Gialito looked great when I saw him in, in, in spring training. So if you get Cease and G, peak Dylan Cease and Giolito, and then the regular old Lance Lynn – Michael Kopech, we all know how good he can be if he's if he's uh, you know who we think, and then Clevenger, whoever in the fifth, I, I like their bullpen. I think Hendricks will be back at some point. Um, I think they're a team that can that is easy to sleep on because they were such a disappointment last year. But I'm not forgetting that how much I liked them at the beginning of last year and how they still managed to win half their games with with a, a complete disaster. It's not going to be that bad this year.
2: Okay. Fearless prediction time, guys. We do this every year that we do our uh, that we do our spring training uh, regular season preview. So, uh, Brett, give me a fearless prediction that's Boone approved that you mm-hmm. think is going to happen.
1: Uh, fearless predictions. The fact that he stays healthy, uh, and I don't know how fearless this is, but I, I think he should have won a year ago, and I think he'll win again. I think Otani will win the the MVP is that fearless we'll improve, enough that really I don't know mm-hmm. he didn't
2: win last year you and you you were all over that and and he didn't win so I I, I still I still th-
1: I still think I'm in the minority you know and you talk to guys with the angels that watch this all year uh I think you even talk to players it's like oh, we don't want to give it to him every year because it's unfair that he does what he does. Well, that doesn't matter. If you win the batting title, that doesn't mean, ah, eh, you've won six of them. Give it to somebody else. Nonsense. Joey Otani is, is a meritocracy. The best, He's the best player in baseball by far. What he contributes to a baseball team is by far much more than anybody else just because he does it on both sides. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, can you tell I really like this guy? It, it boggles my mind to watch what he does on a daily basis yeah. and continues to do it and the wbc was just you know i know it was an exhibition but it was just another example of that there's my fearless i don't know how fearless it is but there you go
2: all right tyler do you got a fearless prediction for me
1: yeah i've got i've got two and they're very
0: specific but they're things we haven't seen in a long time and i think we're going to I mean who knows but I think why not. Let's let let's let's dream on a little bit. I think we're going to see a perfect game for the first time in, in yes. since 2012. I was, was going to say that. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a 40-40 player for the first time since 2006. And I think that 40-40 player will be Ronald Acuña Jr. He's fully healthy. He has he has had a 40 home run, 37 stolen base season just a few years ago. He's still very young with with uh, you know, everybody encouraging stolen bases now on the bigger bases, all this stuff. I think he can do 40, 40. He's probably motivated to, I don't know him. Um, but I, I would have to believe as a professional, he's motivated by a little bit of a down year last year, a, a, a tough playoff series. Um, I think he's going to explode 40, 40 for him and perfect game can happen to anybody at any time, but I'm going to say Zach Gallen. Um, I love what he's got going. He had the, the, the best uh, whip last year in the league. He had the fewest hits per nine innings. Uh, he had that long scoreless streak. I'm going to predict Zach Gallon throws a perfect game on May 24th in Philadelphia. It's his hometown. Philly's got no hit twice last year. They're a good team, but they they're prone to you know it's striking out here and there. Um, and that's a very specific prediction. He may not even pitch that day. But <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's an afternoon game. It's a getaway day midweek. You know they might be resting some guys. Whatever. Um, Harper's not back yet. Uh, I'm going Zach Gallon May 24th in his hometown pitching a perfect game. First one in big leagues in eleven years, Tyler.
1: Mike, you know, Mike you know, you're making, that you're tape. making, grab that Tyler's tape, made, guys. You need that. He's yeah. making me look bad on my own show. He's getting <laughs> down. He's pinpointed. I'm throwing out a kind of an obvious MVP candidate. <laughs> right? You said fearless. Uh,
0: hey, look, yeah, I had yeah. a long. I was driving yesterday from Tampa to Port St. Lucie. That's a long time to think of this stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, I listen, Booney. Listen, you got silver sluggers. You got gold gloves. But for Tyler, he's like a guy who wins twenty games. Tyler, Once somebody wins twenty games for the rest of their life, they are always introduced as a twenty-game winner. Brett, for the rest of Tyler's life, he's going to be introduced as New York Times best-selling author. So I, you know, that's that's him living up to the billing. Yeah.
0: I like that. I, I, I like that. I work for the New York Times too, because if I work for like someone else and they would say New York Times best-selling <laughs> author, it could be confusing.
2: So I just cut that part out. <laughs> Well, I mean, listen, I've got two authors here on the podcast right now. I've got
1: Tyler, New York Times bestselling author, and then I got the other guy. Booney wrote a book. Booney wrote a book. I I even forget, Tyler. You got to remind me. I'll tell you, I want to make one point about what Tyler said about the stolen bases. I I completely agree, uh, and I wouldn't agree on too many people with the ability to go 40-40. I think Akuna is one of those guys. But I do think that we didn't touch on earlier, you can throw over twice, I think the the elite base stealers are going to take full advantage of this. I think the stolen base totals, especially for the true base stealers, is going to go way up. I think for the average base stealer, for someone like myself, that if you just completely ignore me at first base and you're really slow to home, I'll take a bag on you. Uh, I think that guy's really not going to change that much. But the real elite, astute, Base stealers, I think you're going to see their totals go way up that year. This year, I think it's going to be, if Acuna's got the power uh, and he's hitting home runs, I think it's going to be, uh, I, I agree with Tyler, I think uh, it's going to be pretty easy for him in the base base stealing category.
2: So I think we need to do this again, probably before the All-Star break to see how these changes uh, with the added base stealing, I think we're going to see. Uh, more balls put in play, less guys swinging for the downs, uh, stepping out and then gearing back up to to try to hit every pitch to be a home run. What's going to happen to the metrics of all of this? Because, you know, bunts are anti-sabermetrics, stealing bases. uh, You know, maybe you give up one of those 27 precious outs. I can't wait to see how this changes the way the teams are put together and and the way the the math folks and the, the laptop geeks who have been running the game how how this affects the way they put together the game and predictive analy- analysis uh, analytics excuse me i think it's gonna be fascinating all right last thing before we let you go and again uh, i'm rich ferrera sitting in for brett boone uh, he has to move over to the little chair i'm sitting in his big chair and tyler it's a lot of pressure being here it's like being asked mm-hmm. to hit fourth of the lineup uh, we're evaluating you yeah i, I know I've, uh i'm I don't know if I want to hear the numbers just quite yet, but we'll work on it. Uh, Tyler Kepner, of course, New York Times bestselling author, uh, national baseball columnist. We do have to ask this just because of the New York connection from Tyler's job and Boone's DNA, um, because there's always Yankee fans. And whenever I tell them, oh, yeah, I'm going to sit on the podcast. Well, ask Brett how Uncle Aaron's going to do this year. So let's finish up with that. Tyler, I'll, let, I'll put you on the hot seat first. How are the Yankees going to do this year?
0: Uh, I think they'll make a, they'll make the playoffs. They always do. Um, I think they'll get a wild card because I do think the Blue Jays are are, are excellent. I wonder a little bit um, about their offense, the Yankees, um, but a lot of that could change if you know if Volpe is a star at shortstop, and we don't know what they're going to get from shortstop, so that's an unknown. If Stanton is back and better, um, you know, than he was when he's battling stuff late in the year. There's just a lot of ifs with the Yankees. I feel like there's a lot more short things um, in my mind with Toronto, plus the health issues. So I think they'll I think they'll get in there, um, ninety wins, ninety-one
2: wins, something like that. Brett, are you going to be able to have dinner with Aaron before or after the World Series?
1: <sighs> Man, I, I, I can't put put him in the World Series. Uh, as Tyler touched on it, I th- I think they're definitely going to the playoffs. So much has to happen. And I just always worry about that team and the injuries. Um, I love the rotation. If everybody's healthy, Cortez is one of my favorite new guys on the scene. I think he's fun, but I think he's also really good. And And we they found a diamond in the rough with, with Nestor Cortez. Cole at the top of that rotation. Rodon, he's going to miss some time already. I love the Rodon move. Severino. You know, he's been one of my guys. I've been waiting for four or five years now to see what this guy's potential is. Always seems like he's hurt. I think he's gonna miss a start or two to start this season. They're starting that way already. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the of the of the podcast King Lewiziga and Holmes in the pen. That's as formidable as it comes. And then look at that lineup. Can they stay healthy? I'm hearing a lot about this Volpe guy. I think he's gonna be the starting shortstop. Uh It'll be interesting to me to see a healthy DJ LeMahieu. We didn't see one last year. And, and he didn't have that three in front of his front of his average when he comes to the plate that we're so used to seeing. Um here and he's healthy. That'll be interesting to see. We need Torres to to be solid. Baders hurt to start the season. Uh so is, is Judge gonna have to go and fill that spot in center field? I don't know. Maybe Kiner Falefa can play center field, by the way. And uh Stanton's the wild card. You know, uh, he he has crazy ups and downs. I mean, he, but uh, he he's a must for that team to to continue to go forward. I don't know. I think they're a playoff team, uh, but man, I wish I had a a, a more, you know, a, a harder opinion on them. Yeah, they're a playoff team. Are they a World Series team? Well, I, I don't think I could say that right now. Absolutely not. But uh, if everybody on that team's healthy and plays like they can, of course they are. How's that for a Sounds vague good. answer? Uh, you know what?
2: I like it. You know what, Tyler? That's kind of like what I used to get for him in the clubhouse. Brett, give me something. and would stand there and talk for five minutes and not give me anything. that I can do.
1: Yeah. I'm just t- talking in a circle, but uh, that's yeah, the best thing to come up with. I look at the people on paper and I say they should be better, but they're always hurt.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a big anyway. league answer right there. Uh, Tyler, uh, before we get done with this, what are you working on? What's coming up uh, for you?
0: Well, I've been, uh, you know, I've been out in Arizona for a while. Um, been seeing a lot of camps down here, WBC. I've got a couple stories that just ran on some Cy Young uh, candidate. Like, I, I was basically looking for the next Sandy Alcantara, right? A guy who everybody in baseball knows is good, but maybe the average fan still hasn't caught on to yet because he's never been top three Cy Young. He's never been in the World Series, but he's young enough and he can handle a full workload. Um, to take that jump like Sandy did last year, and the four that I've spotlighted um, are uh, Tristan McKenzie with the Guardians, uh, Logan Gilbert with the Mariners, uh, the aforementioned Zach Gallen, who's pitching a perfect game on May 24th. Um, yes, mark that, mark that down. Get that. the tape, guys. And uh, and Logan Webb of the uh, of the Giants. So all of those guys meet those very specific criteria, and I think um, two or at least one of them will. Uh, Will win a Cy Young this year. They seem to me to be ready to take that take that leap. And I got to, it was fun getting to getting to sit down with all of them and getting to know them a little bit because they're all uh you know really bright and uh and personable guys and good for this game um, as they gain stardom because they're uh you know they're they they've got it up here too.
1: Tyler, right. don't sleep, don't sleep on Kirby either. I love right. in Seattle, but right. I'm telling you this Kirby guy under the radar tough.
0: Yeah, he just didn't the innings that, that Gilbert did last year. Um right. but, I mean, I'm just I was just looking at guys who've like already shown that they're a 30 start, 180 sort of dude. But not that I mean Kirby could do that this year. He he is he is great. I I and the Mariners, that's what is really encouraging about the Mariners, right? I mean, I, I don't know if they did enough on their offense, but um to to throw out uh, Castillo, Gilbert, Ray, and Kirby,
1: um and then Marco Gonzalez,
0: I mean, that's a that's a nice, nice five five man
1: rotation. I think I think the wow. T Oscar Hernandez was a great addition uh, from an offensive standpoint. But everybody in Seattle this offseason was kind of oh, we wanted to spend more money. Why didn't we spend more money? And I said, your I think the value is in is one more year of experience for Gilbert and Kirby. Mm-hmm. I think they're that good. Time yeah. will tell.
2: All right. Now that Booney, you're a professional podcaster, we're now on the Odyssey platform and you can get this podcast anywhere uh, on Apple, Spotify and, and Odyssey. I think that if either one of Tyler's predictions come true, you're taking us to dinner uh, and getting us the biggest tomahawk uh, ribeye steak we can we can. Find. I'll
1: tell you, I'll tell you what, if, if his prediction comes true, I, I'm taking the plane, I'm picking him up and we're we're going to Vegas, all expense paid, and, and, I'm gonna, and he's going to be my my whisperer.
2: Tyler, yeah. you yeah. notice that I try to get in on your dinner for your prediction. And the thing is, he Herrera, you're
1: here. Herrera, because you were here, I'll pick you, I'll swig by and pick you up on okay. the way to get Tyler.
2: Thank you very much. <laughs> Tyler,
1: it's always fun when I get a chance
2: to talk to you. I appreciate it. Booney, let me turn it back over to you.
1: Thanks to Tyler Kepner and uh, Rich Herrera. It's been a great podcast. Great getting getting a, a good start to the 2023 season. And for all of us here at the Boom Podcast, thanks for listening. See you next time.